Hello and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at ouradio.org.nach or on my website, ericlevy.com, under the recording section. Hello, this is Rabbi Eric Levy and I am pleased to bring to you Chapter 2 of Sefer Eov, the Book of Job. Chapter 2 continues the testing of Job to see how he will react to the adversity sent by the Satan, which is the personification of God's wrath or of God's destructive forces. Job won round one, and in the face of the loss of all his possessions and all of his children, Job does not curse God. The stage now switches back to heaven. Vayihi hayom, vayavo b'nei Elohim lihityatsev al Adunai, and it was on that on the day, and the host of God, i.e. the angels, came to attend before the Lord, and the Satan also came to attend to the Lord. As I mentioned yesterday, Hayom indicates a specific day, which I believe is Rosh Hashanah, the day of judgment, when God's prosecuting attorney, the Satan, does his job. Metaphorically, of course. And note again that this verse is worded pretty much exactly as it was in the first heavenly encounter in chapter 1. We see this repetition over and over again in the story, which bookends the theological discourse. And along with the schematic numbers of 7 and 10 and multiples of 7 and 10 and the dramatic entrances and exits of the characters, I believe that the book of Job was actually written to be performed on stage. This is uh, no way an, 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 an anachris, anachronistic, wow, that was tough to say, this is no way anachronistic as stage dramas were well attested to in the 5th and 6th century even BCE, which I believe is when the book of Job was penned. And in fact, there were stage plays as far back uh, as a millennia before that in ancient Egypt. Now, more replays from stage from scene number one in heaven, even though now we're in scene number two in heaven. And the Lord said to the Satan, where are you coming from? And the Satan answered the Lord and said, from investigating the earth and from walking to and fro in it. Shot means searching, a, a somewhat aggressive movement, looking for the sins of man so that punishment can be doled out, as I discussed um, uh, yesterday. I also discussed the issue of the Satan at length yesterday, but it pays to repeat the main point. The Satan is the personification of God's wrath, his midator hadin, or his destructive actions in this world. The book's audience understood that the character of the Satan is a metaphor, although towards the end of the Second Temple Judaism, despair sets in, and the people make Satan, the angel of darkness, a very real character, in an effort to comprehend how, much, how so much suffering could come from the very good God. So they create this, well, separate entity, so to speak, to um, maintain a good God that is a God that would never bring this kind of uh, suffering in the face of the reality and the suffering that they were going through. So God said to the Satan, Did you notice my servant Job that there is no one like him in the land, a flawless and straight person who fears God and avoids evil? And now God 
God adds to his last speech, his previous speech, based on um, the one that he gave in round one, and he says, and he still holds strong to his flawlessness, so you instigated me against him to devour him for nothing. Notice that God, not the Satan, is the subject of the infinitive to devour him, to swallow him, levalo chinam. And that's because the audience, like Job, knows that it is God that punishes and that any intermediary is a direct extension of his will. Vayana satan et adonai vayomar, or ba'ad or, we call asher la'ishitein ba'ad nafsho. Excuse me. But the Satan has a rejoinder for what God told him, one which hits close to home for anyone who is honest about human nature. The Satan expresses the rejoinder through a proverb, which is a bit hard to translate today, and therefore, while his exact meaning is hard to pin down, the general sense is pretty clear. And the Satan answered the Lord and said, Flesh in exchange for flesh, or bad or, and all that a man has he would give up for his own life. The sense of flesh in exchange for flesh, I believe, is that as long as a person's own skin is saved, he is willing to trade for someone else's, even if that someone else's is the skin of someone close to him. This idea is expressed beautifully by Harlan Ellison, um, a a fantasist writer who wrote in the 60s, 70s, and actually uh, later as well, in his masterpiece short story called Repent Harlequin Said the TikTok Man. And I'd like to read a short passage because it really captures, I think, what the Satan is trying to stay, say here. And here is the passage. A man named Delahanti received his turnoff notice from the TikTok man's office. His wife received the notification. She knew what it was even without unsealing it. She gasped and held it as though it were a glass slide tinged with botulism and prayed it was not for her. Let it be for Marsh, her husband, she thought brutally, realistically, or one of the kids, but not for me. Please, dear God, not for me. And then she opened it and it was for Marsh. And she was at one time, one in the same time horrified and relieved the next trooper in the line had caught the bullet and that's the end of the passage now you may think me and harlan ellison and the author of job who was expressing this idea through his satan character quite cynical you may say that there are people especially mothers who not only do not feel relief knowing that it wasn't them uh, but who but in fact would um, gladly take the bullet to save their own kids but I suspect for much humanity, people act closer to or ba'ad or v'chol asher le'ishitein ba'ad nafsho. As long as it's not them getting the final turn off, they are relieved that it's somebody else, even though they, even though they would rather have neither, better somebody else than themselves. So the Satan, having accused Job of being able to deal with the disaster because it was external to him, it wasn't him, it was somebody else that took the bullet, ups the ante. Ulam shalach nayadcha vega el atzmo vel besaro im loa panecha yivarachecha. However, send your hand and strike himself and his flesh, and I swear that yivarachecha he will curse you to your face. Vayomer Adonai el Satan he no biadcha ach et nashoshemor. And God said to the Satan, Here, he's in your hands, but guard his life. I.e., you can't afflict, you can afflict him, you can cause him to suffer. Physically, but you can't kill him. Now, 
Biad Kod Kodo. And as in chapter one, the scene ends with Satan take it, taking his leave as the scene returns to earth and we see the result of the afflictions. And the Satan went out from before the Lord, exit stage left, and he afflicted Job with terrible boils from the soles of his feet to the top of his skull. So he, that is to say, Job, took pottery shards to scratch himself, and he sat in the ashes. It's possible that he's sitting in the ashes as some kind of treatment for his body-wide sores, or it's possible he's still in mourning for his lost kids. The latter sense would create a certain dramatic extension uh, that he's still suffering and mourning for his lost kids. And, um, and and that helps the drama continue because we may have forgotten about, the audience may have forgotten about his old afflictions because of his new personal afflictions. And it's, um, and it's telling to us that Job has not, in fact, overcome from his previous mourning and his previous horror, and that now he has to undergo through new mourning and new horror. Of course, given that the challenges come on these new inflections, that is, these in, these afflictions come on the same day. That is Hayom, which I stated was Rosh Hashanah. So it could be that either this is happening all on one day, which seems very unlikely, or that uh, Satan came the second time to afflict Job himself 12 months later on the next Rosh Hashanah, which is possible. It means that he's been mourning for 12 months for his kids. But as I said, that uh, that seems quite possible. Either way, Job keeps his mouth shut refusing to curse God, so enter stage right, Job's wife. Vatomer lo ishdo odcha machazik betumatecha barech Elohim vamut. And his wife says to him, do you still, i.e., why do you still hold on to your flawlessness? Note that this is exactly what God said to the Satan in verse 3, that he still holds on to his flawlessness. The wife says, curse God, barech Elohim, and die. The assumption is that for the crime of cursing God, death will surely come uh, if not immediately, but shortly. So, but, so Job's response to his wife, however, is not pleasant. And while he is saying some very wise words, he's saying them uh, perhaps in not the wisest of ways. Vayomer eleha, kidaber achat hanevalot zidaberi, gamet atov nekabel meit Elohim, vetara lo nekabel, And he said to her, will you speak like one of the worthless women? So we take good from God, but we reject the evil, i.e. the evil and bad things that also come from God. We shouldn't accept those. We should only accept it when he sends us good things. And continuing on with the verse, and in spite of all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now this last item is important since Job wins the bet. The Satan vowed that Job would curse God to his face openly and audibly, but that doesn't happen. However, the contrast between Job's response to the first set of sufferings, Job did not sin, and this response, Job did not sin with his lips, is unmistakable. Internally, there is no question that Job is angry at God and wants to... Um, to uh, perhaps even to curse at God through his anger. However, he is not going to let himself uh, do it with his uh, do it audibly and verbally. That's in he won't he won't go through. But there's no question that he feels the anger and the pain and the horror, and he's internalizing it. And this internalization of anger and pain and horror is setting the stage for the discourse where Job's friends will accuse him of sinning against God with his speech, but Job will tell them that as long as he keeps his words honest, they cannot be considered blasphemy. More on this in further chapters when we actually get to the discourse. But for now, enter 
Job's friends stage right. Vayishmu shloshet re'e Iov ekol hara'a hazot haba'alav vayavo ish mi mekomo alifaz ha'temani uvildad ha'shuchi v'tzofar ha'na'amati vayivadu yachtav lavo lanudlo ulenachamo. And Job's three friends, or three compatriots, heard all this evil that had befallen him, all the bad things that had befell him, befallen him, and they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Tamanite, Bildad the Shuchite, Tzofar the Naamitite, and they met together to grieve with him and to comfort him. Lanud is like the shaking of a head in sorrow. And they raised their eyes from afar, very, very dramatic, and they could not recognize him. And they raised their voices and cried, each one, and each one tore his cloak, and they threw dust heavenward, heavenward onto their heads. And they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke to him since they saw that his pain or the pain was very great indeed. So concludes chapter 2. Tomorrow in chapter 3, Job will indeed speak.